Hello, welcome to episode 119 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and my good friend, Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, how are you? How are you doing? You good? I am good. How are you, Steve? I'm pretty good. Been a pretty good week, as discussed on the podcast we did yesterday. It's been, yeah. Um, it's been a pretty good week. We've got a new president. We've got a, maybe get, I've got a vaccine. You've, I became you've an got un- a vaccine. I've, I've got a vaccine yet. I became an uncle this week Are those week two well. related? What, the, the vaccine and the uncle? <laughs> yeah. No. What experiments they're both have you good. been conducting? They're both great news. Well done for the vaccine. Thanks. And My what... little sister had a, had, a, had a baby this week. so Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Don't... You don't... <laughs> yeah, what? I, don't... Is it? Okay. No, I was about to say something. I didn't know if I, sh- if I should say it. <laughs> well, I'll cut this out if you want me to. But you said it wasn't ugly, which you were happy about. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't because babies are pretty, usually they can be, I would say 80% of babies are quite repulsive looking, aren't they? And You're not bothered not... about cutting this out at all, are you? No, 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 not at all. Don't care. I do, honestly, babies are very unattractive things. Okay. And, and he's not. I mean, he's still just a baby, ultimately. So, you know, it's not like I'm like, cool, look at him. But um, That's fantastic. Uh, Wow, I've gone. I've made this much worse than <laughs> I ever intended it to be. Anyway, um, so that's good news. Also, good news. I'm going to start before I tell you what's on the show this week. Um, our friends at Signature Brew. Uh, thanks very much to them for supporting the podcast as ever. Uh, Signature Brew, of course, deep in the heart of East London since 2011. They have been getting together with the finest mixologists in alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverage world and making a series of excellent music-themed, music-related beers with the likes of Mastodon, Idols, Enter Shikari, Mogwai, Jamie Lenman, many, many other artists as well, including this new beer that they've, they're going to announce today. If you're listening to this podcast in the morning, it's actually launching at midday today on the day that this podcast comes out. So this is an exclusive a, of sorts. This is an exclusive of sorts. They've got a new beer called Bell's End, and they have brewed this beer in association with the band The Darkness. Hello. I see a I connection love, there. I like The Darkness. Mm-hmm. I like a beer, especially a lovely signature brew beer, as we've already told you every week. Mm-hmm. And I like Christmas. So this feels like all my chickens have come home to roost in one week, Renfrey. What a week this is. You've got a, you've got a chicken called The Darkness. Yes, if you like, <laughs> if you like. <laughs> Poor chicken. <laughs> uh, I suppose it will be the darkness when it ends up on your plate. Well, uh, you've made it really, <laughs> you're trying to really bring everyone down and I'm not, Sorry. I'm not having it. This is a winter warming beer brewed with our friends in the darkness and sees English hops unleashed in a mouth-watering bitterness to carry you through the season. Just don't let the bells end. <laughs> Um, so yeah named after the famous Darkness Christmas song it's got a very festive poster it was brewed um, with Dan Hawkins from the Darkness came down and had a a lengthy tasting session by all accounts I think we know what that means I think we know what that means Um, he was there for a while (laughs) yeah and he drank a lot of beer nothing wrong with that good it's a festive time 
5.2%. I'm looking forward to this. And I know that the guys at Signature Brew, thanks very much, guys, have already sent us some of these over. So I'm yeah. I'm excited. And they sent some of that peach stuff that you want as well. Oh, yes. Polyphonic peach that only, you've been hankering after. I've only got three cans each, which isn't quite enough to run myself a bath. Oh, so you're such it. a... You're, you're a bloody Scrooge this week, you are, man. You're already, you can tell you, you're an absolute miserableist. This is supposed to be my job, being the miserable one. And yeah, here you are, shitting on everything. I'm still going to have a shallow bathe in it. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Let's put some on a flannel and like <laughs> mop your brow. Um, anyway, well done for um, for that. That sounds like a lot of fun and a good time. And it does combine three things that I like. I really like the darkness. Even you like the darkness, don't you? I do enjoy the first album. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, don't, oh, I don't. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's going to be like this this week, is it? Well, I, oh, I like the first uh, album. Uh, Fuck well, you now. Uh, I don't. I don't go that far beyond the first album, if I'm honest. Um, but uh, I, I've listened to. I've never heard the second one. It's good. <coughs> um, I think I heard like their comeback third one. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Okay. Yeah. Right, anyway, signaturebrew.co.uk. That is where you can go and purchase some of that. Get yourself a little festive pick-me-up. Um, uh, you get 10% off when you put the code RIOTACT in the checkout. All one word in small capitals. Uh, and speaking of the darkness, it's quite apt, I guess, because um, this week on the show, we are going to be reviewing new albums from ACDC, who are a bit like the darkness, uh, Yezu, King810, and Shackles. Now, um... That is a mixed bag, I would oh, say. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that is a mixed bag. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's a, mix, it's a mixed bag. Um, so uh, also, we've just put a page, uh, Patreon podcast up this as we record this morning. It'll be yesterday when you hear it. Um, on Bjork's Biophilia on yes. patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, where you can go and sign up for a load of extra exclusive content. I have always talked about how much I love Bjork as an artist. Um I sort of address this in the podcast and I won't go too much into it, but I just stopped listening to Bjork essentially about 12, 13 years ago. And that was a silly thing to do because that biophilia album is... You two had a fight, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, we felt like... yeah, I just said to her, welcome to um, Tokyo in an airport and she beat me up. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah? Shit. everyone remember that when that happened? <laughs> everyone... Go and Google that and you'll get that joke because it is actually quite a good joke. <laughs> it's very <so>. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it um, is. I should point out as well, we actually put out a free one for free preloaders uh, on the Natural Born Killers soundtrack. Remember doing that? Mm. Oh, I do remember doing that. Great fun. That was actually the end of last year, I believe, wasn't it? It was one of the last ones we recorded at your house. Yeah, we're getting, mm. with the freeloaders, we're getting into first lockdown now. That's how far behind oh. you are. Yeah, we're yeah. a few weeks God, away. That feels like a fucking long... That feels like a bloody long time ago. But anyway, um, also coming on Monday, we're going to be having, for, for both freeloaders and for patrons, we've got a double Pixies extravaganza that we're going to be recording this weekend um, on Surfer Rosa and Doolittle. Obviously, the two <laughs> on Indie Cindy and... Uh, no. Trump yeah uh so yeah we're gonna be doing those two first those first two pixies albums which came 13 months apart i've been uh, doing a bit of research uh, yeah cannot believe i cannot believe that is even possible i mean we'll talk to about these two albums 
We'll talk about Ooh. it. We'll talk about it in the in the classic album. But they released their first four albums in four years. Mental. It was literally 88, 89, 90, 91. Yeah. And Bossa Nova. Yeah, let's do this now, just because we won't chat Bossa Nova much. I've I've been going mm-hmm. over to Bossa Nova as well. I don't know if you know Bossa Nova very well, but that's a fantastic mm. record. Very underrated. Very underrated. It's underrated. I think it's comfortably a step down, personally. Yeah. But it's still. But the first two are just uh, yeah. exceptional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. So yeah, I would never. I probably would never choose to put Boston over on. I think but that's it's not. A, it's but it's a good record. It's still a good record. I think that's how I feel about it as well. And so putting it on, making myself putting it on, reminded me just how good it is. There's the, like it's, it's very good. I mean, a step down, yes, but a baby step down, I would say. Mm. A bit like, if you don't mind me segueing into the next thing we're going to talk about, a bit like Mesmerised by System of a Down, which was the last System of a Down material that we had until last Friday. Annoyingly, the day that this podcast came comes out on a Friday, System of a Down from nowhere, from literally nowhere. Nobody knew anything about it. They dropped two <coughs> brand new songs. Hell has frozen over <laughs> and System of a Down have actually released new material. And I have to say, I did not see this coming. That, I did not see this coming at all. That would have been a, a perfect segue if you'd got the album right. But Hypnotise was the last album they released. Not I me- always get those two. He said Mesmerise. <laughs> but A for effort. Um, mm. I didn't see this coming either. Completely stunned. I think... Um, doing a podcast with you for the last two and a half years, any hope that a system reunion would uh, beget new material, you just stomped out of me. You were like, come on, they're shit, they're awful. Um, So I didn't expect it at all. And we got these two new singles. They are available to purchase still on the the band's Bandcamp page. A week after they've come out, we should say they've now raised over um, $600,000 dollars they have raised Amazing. for proceeds going to the armenian fund which is a charity organization who provide assistance to those in need in um Artsakh, a breakaway state in the south caucus of eastern europe and western asia and armenia um the statement they released says we a system of down have just released new music for the first time in 15 years this time to do this is not the, sorry the time to do this is now as together the four of us have something extremely important to say as a unified voice i think that's quite an important point to mm. say as well these two songs protect the land in genocide of humanoids both speak of a dire and serious war being perpetrated upon our cultural homelands of Artsakh and Armenia. We're proud to share these songs with you and hope you enjoy listening to them. Further, we encourage you to read on, to learn more about their origins, and once you do, hope you're inspired to speak out on the horrific injustices and human rights violations occurring there. Now, most importantly and urgently, we humbly implore you to donate in in some small or large to help those adversely affected with whatever um, what are ever-growing accounts of crimes against humanity. In turn, you will receive downloads of these two new songs and the feeling that you're truly making a difference. These funds will be used to provide crucial and desperate needed aid and basic supplies for those affected by these hideous acts. Um, the aggression and injustice being perpetrated against the Armenian people in Artsakh and Armenia by Azerbaijan and Turkey is a human rights violation and a war crime. That's what Citizen of Down Frontman Serge Tankian says. Um, I have to be honest, I don't know a lot about this current political no. situation. Okay. Um, 
but that's what System of a Down have said, and I would uh, echo their their kind of call for you to go and read up more about it, which I have done a little bit, but off the top of my head, much much like you, Renfrey, I can't really um, parrot that that sort of stuff. What I can talk about is the songs, uh-huh. um, and they're pretty fucking good. They are, aren't they? I'm, I'm, I, I'm so much more. I mean, I don't. I guess my expectations were relatively low um but they definitely exceeded them i think both of them are really good um i particularly like the second one uh the sort of two and a half minute kind of number humanoid what i do you know what? i've forgotten the name of it i've just taken the thing down so i've um, actually forgotten the name of the fucking song um genocidal humanoids yes oh mm. man like when it goes into that blackmail bit and you've got all mm. you've got so much going on in that two and a half minute song and that's when system really excite me when they're just going between lots of different types of songs in a really really short period of time mm. um much like the pixies do i guess you could argue um and that song just brilliantly brilliantly sums that creative spirit of system of a down up that i really enjoy i think both of those songs together whilst they are far better than i really ever could have imagined that they ever would have been um on the basis of having seen system of a down a number of times since their reunion and them being frankly appalling and getting worse as time has gone on um and with the obvious split in certain opinions amongst the band i mean say what you want about john dalmayan but fuck me (laughs) that geezer is an unbelievable drummer again on genocide or humanoids his drumming on that is just superb absolutely superb he's outrageous yeah he's outrageous and um i mean and i think but what both of these songs do is they remind you just how great system of a down can be whilst not really being of the same standard of them at their absolute best yeah and just to chuck in a little bit of a mild clue after we do pixies you might get us talking even more in depth on our Patreon page about System of a Down, maybe, um, at their very best. Who knows? Um, But I think these two songs do kind of represent the two things that System of a Down do brilliantly. Protect the Land, which I was a bit like, "Eh," at first. I think Protect the Land is the easier one to kind of get your head around the first time you're listening to it. And actually, for System of a Down, that makes it less interesting. And I actually liked it less because i was just like oh this just sounds like whatever but when you watch it with the video it's more mid-paced um latter day mesmerized system of a down isn't it yeah 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 yeah. and there's some great songs from like (coughs) you know lonely day and lost and um Mm. lost in hollywood Mm. not lost in um yeah lost yeah yeah Yeah, lost in hollywood sorry and um yeah like those two songs are a bit quieter and a bit more brilliant you know straight forward a bit more anthemic and you can imagine protect the land being played on a really massive stage at a festival during their headlining slot yeah um and i think it will sound great but i was like i want the kind of weird shit from system of a down the more i listen to protect the land the more of it's just an absolute earworm and i think as well if you watch it with the video the video is very simple but it's very powerful it's lots of shots of um them and just standing there and there's kind of 
Armenian armies and Armenian landscapes and the sort of the wreckage of war from that part of the world kind of being um, uh, projected onto their face or projected onto a wall with them stood in front of it. So it's sort of on their faces as well. And it's actually, it's a very simple, but it's a very powerful and, you know, it's a, it's a video that it does the thing that it needs to do really, really well. I think it's a really good song. Um, once you accept that it's just a fairly sort of big mid paced mid tempo system of a down stomper. But I agree with you. Genocidal humanoids is where I was like, shit, they actually can, they actually can do something which feels really fucking exciting still. You know, like you, you mentioned the kind of black metal super fast bit and Serge's vocals. You forget, I mean, again, you know, having seen them live, I've seen Serge sleepwalk his way through some of those really mad vocal parts mm. from their earliest records. And I had kind of forgotten what Serge Tankian sounds like when he is going full, like speaking in tongues, shamanic, yeah. preacher man. Th- and he's got a bit of that on that song. And it's just lovely to hear. It's it's completely made me do a 180 about System of a Down and go, uh, maybe I do want to hear a new album. I'd be quite happy to, on the basis of this, I think we'd get something that, um, whilst maybe not up to, not quite as good as what we expected from them back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I still think it would be something worthy of their legacy going from these two songs. Yeah, it is difficult, isn't it? Because there's no band from that era or kind of like no corn albums ever going to be as good as the first corn album or you know follow the leader or what or issues or whatever corn album you want to pick with did you not as think, good as did you not think that nothing was close with your nine out of ten review i think of it's it? yeah i think i was going to say i think i mean I've, the, that's deliberately why i picked corn i was about to pick deftones okay. and slipknot next as well okay. um i think oms by deftones is a is a record which will probably surprise no one when it ends up in both of our top 20 albums of the year. I feel fairly confident that, yeah. you know, <laughs> that it's going to get in there for both of us. Yeah. Is it as good as White Pony? Well, no, it's no. not as good as White Pony, no. Um, is We Are Not Your Kind as good as Iowa or the first Slipknot record? No. It's still a really good record, though. And I think... Here's a little tease. It's debatably not the best record Deftones are going to put out this year. <laughs> what we are not your kind um uh yeah um i mean you know it, all of these things are true and that is not an insult to the material that's getting put out now it's just their high points their creative high points are so high and i think particularly yeah. with system of a down particularly with those first two records the high points are they cannot and they would not and they will not ever be able to reach those heights again yeah, that, that's just a right. that's just a fact and you know, I wonder, and it, it's it's how far do you drop? Corn, Slipknot, Deftones are really good examples of bands who, yes, it's not, no one's saying any of those albums that have come out by those bands are their best records, but, but they're not, they're so, you know, they're not far away and they're close enough for you to be like, yeah, this band is still totally relevant, totally creatively interesting. And, um, and, uh, and these songs, I kind of feel like that about System of a Down and I really didn't think I would. I thought the drop would be as astronomical as it was live, but it's not at all. 
and that's good no no i think um i think these are two songs that we can get excited about with system of the down again personally i i really really like them and i like them more and more and more the more i listen to them as well yeah i agree <clears throat> i mean i thought they were pretty good the first time i listened to it mm. um but i really like it i mean particularly protect the land which yeah. i thought was kind of like yeah you know this is all right yeah um bit, this is good enough this is good enough you've already said it but it's a real earworm that song but it's not immediately yeah. apparent that it's an earworm on the first listen no that's true um so there you go new system of a down material we shall see we shall see what happens with that i mean uh, it was quite telling that they said we needed we felt like we had something that we were all unified on yeah and when you look at sort of what they stood for and then when you look at what John Dolmayan has been saying after this week in the sort of, you know, the aftermath of the US election. I think there's obviously quite a lot of stuff that, you know, maybe they don't agree on. And that might be a bit of a sticking point. But if it happens, it happens. I'm still kind of accepting the fact that there's not going to be a new System of a Down album. But now if there was, I'd be more interested to hear it than I maybe would have been before yeah I'd, I'd agree with all of that and you also said uh on the metal hammer podcast um last week um that it's quite a good sort of metaphor for the world which i thought was yeah. a very children in need thing for you to say or comic well, release not children in need all comic really no. uh, <laughs> <live eight>. um, <laughs> yeah i do i do I, I think that you know but I do, the, I, I, the, even though I've mocked you, I did. I do actually think that's a really lovely point. And um, yeah, I agree. I think it is a very good metaphor for. I, um, I mean, you know, yeah. John Dalmayan is moaning and groaning about an election being stolen. I can't imagine Serge Tankian is that upset with no. Joe Biden <laughs> being elected president and seeing the end of Donald Trump at all. So those are people who have incredibly wildly differing political opinions. Yet the overarching but and, and people would love to go oh well they think that and you think that so they shouldn't ever talk to each other but ultimately they both feel that there is something far more important in the world I, aka you know the the situation in armenia at the moment which means that they go okay well this doesn't matter as much at the moment let's try and concentrate on the things that are important to us and that are that we have in common rather than going no no those things are different so we can't ever talk again and that really is a far more mature and adult and sensible way of behaving in the world yeah. i personally think and completely agree um, they are mature enough to put their differences aside to work towards a common goal and mm -hmm. i think the world at large could do with more of that i absolutely agree well let's do some well i suppose that is a review that we've just done sort of but mm. let's do the proper the proper reviews oh we should say should we say about uh, a few people asked us about broken records broken records is coming back can i say that we think more of broken records i really like i if people are going oh i hope you don't don't get rid of it we're definitely not getting rid of it because no. i love it personally no. as much as i don't like listening to that music i love doing it and i actually think if i if you don't mind me saying this renfrey uh -oh. how i how i feel about it is that it is too good to be stuck at the end of the podcast whoa okay <laughs> yeah that's fine <laughs> i do that's how i feel yes right? yes so we, we do have plans with broken records and they are 
big-ish plans. Um, although, uh, because people have been asking about it and we said we'd try and sort something out by mid-November and obviously that's sort of come and gone. Um, we haven't forgotten about it. It will be coming back. Uh, please bear with us. We, I, I'd like to try and get it back before the end of the year, but I don't want to make any promises. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I don't think you'll see it before the end of the year, just because of like Christmas is coming. There's going to yeah. be a lot of holiday-ish stuff. Yeah. There is still a lot of stuff being released and we don't want these episodes to be like four or five hours long. I think yeah. that's a bit a bit too much. Um, Imagine putting out a four-hour podcast as your first ever episode. God, Which is what dicks you would be <laughs> we did that wow, <laughs> yeah but um you know anyway let's do some let's do some reviews broke records is like is definitely coming back um and we have to we gotta start with the biggest rock band ever yeah. maybe yeah sure pretty much in it sure them and the rolling stones i think are probably the two biggest commercially commercially surely acdc are actually the biggest just if you top up um ticket receipts and album sales bearing in mind yeah is is back in black second biggest selling album of all time after thriller i think it is yeah i think it is um you know and yeah i i i think album i know there are greatest hits that have sold more than back in black stuff like um uh i can't remember what one of the greatest i think the eagles greatest hits might have sold more than yeah but that doesn't count as an album sorry I, I don't think it should. It really annoys me when I see that in there. But anyway, um, anyway, yes, uh, undoubtedly, whether they are the biggest or not, they certainly have a um, uh, a right to that title. They're on that. They're on. If it's gold, silver, bronze, they are definitely on that podium. Undoubtedly, I I think that you, maybe the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin might go. Well, hold on a second there, but I do think it's those are the three. I would think, in kind of rock music. Mm. Um, so anyway, ACDC, Power Up, the 17th studio album by the Australian rock and roll legends, the first, second or third biggest rock band ever. Uh, this is the follow-up to 2014's Rock or Bust. Just like on the previous album, just like on Rock or Bust, this does not feature the late, great, legendary Malcolm Young who sadly passed away in 2017 and who had retired from the band just before the release of Rock or Bust. But um, just like Rock or Bust, every song on this record is written by Malcolm Young and Angus Young. Um, still, even three years after his passing, they found some material from somewhere that uh there's lots of stuff would... there's lots of stuff in the vaults apparently yeah so apparently yeah. so um stevie young who's their nephew uh has replaced um uh, re replaced malcolm and has replaced him once again bassist cliff williams was said to have retired from music citing health reasons in 2016 he is back as well um phil rudd is back he never actually officially left the band, but he was replaced on tour by former drummer Cl Cliff Chris Slade after Rudd uh, had been arrested after trying to procure murder, threatening to kill and in possession of methamphetamines and cannabis. He was sentenced to eight months at home. Um, Brian I, Johnson. I have to confess, I completely forgot that story until, right, I, yeah, until, I, until I reread it for the research for this. Um, mm. Yeah, sorry, carry on. 
Yeah, he didn't look great when all that was going on. He looked, mm. he looked pretty bad. I didn't think we would see Phil Rudd back, but mm. here he is. Mm. Brian Johnson, again, um, performed on Rock or Bust and did the first five of seven legs of the tour, but was ousted after apparent hearing problems in favour of a broken-legged Axl Rose <laughs> sat on a throne. Um, so by the end of 2016 with ACDC, you've got a different drummer, a different singer, a different rhythm guitarist, a bassist that is on the verge of retirement, and an old man in a school boy uniform playing songs from an album that really wasn't that great um you ever get the feeling the world is just telling you to sort of stop do you know what i mean i mean all of the things there would point to me to go maybe we should just shouldn't do this anymore i was going to approach that question from an ever so slightly different angle but i'm going to defer to you because out of the two of us you are the acdc fan um, I, um, just for those who don't know, cause we've not covered ACDC for a while. I am completely and utterly ambivalent to ACDC. Um, I like, the, I like the fact that they exist and I'm perfectly happy if an ACDC song comes on in a bar, I'm like, Oh, it's ACDC. Um, but they don't, they don't really get my blood pumping. Um, I think it more or less all sounds the same. <laughs> I think if you played me an ACDC album and asked me to guess what year it came out, I think I'd really struggle, unless it was like Back in Black. Um, I think I'd really struggle and I'd get a lot wrong. Uh, but um, as an ACDC fan, were you surprised? Because if we go back three, four years, um, ACDC were in a state, really, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I mean, I've been told that the the shows with Axl Rose were incredible and I would never doubt hmm. the potency of those songs live. Now, I mean, just to get into it, basically, you're right. I mean, I am a massive, massive, massive ACD, ACDC fan. There was a period about 15 years ago where I went and bought every single CD and DVD that they had out almost exclusively I listened to ACDC for a period of about two years. I just listened to nothing. I listened to ACDC every day for about two years. This is something I, I didn't know about you. I was obsessed with them. When I just sort of discovered them, I because when I was a kid, I didn't really listen to ACDC. I thought they were a bit like Motley Crue or... So, you know, I wasn't really interested in that sort of thing. And then when I sort of started looking at... Yeah, I think I've said it before. I went... When I was about sort of 23, 24, I started going, do you know what? I should go and buy Led Zeppelin and Iron Maiden and Megadeth and all these bands that I had not really paid attention to when I was very much that. Anything before Nirvana sucks. <laughs> that attitude that I had when I, for about 10 years. And I think that's the attitude like the, the media in general had about most of those bands. We've spoken before about, you know, how Van Halen was seen as dinosaurs and stuff. And, and, yeah. and so there's this period where I did that and I bought Back in Black and I just thought this is amazing and I bought Highway to Hell I thought this is fucking amazing as well and then I just went on this thing where I bought every single solitary ACDC record and I I mean I really think I, I guess sometimes you have to accept that the thing that you love isn't the thing that you love anymore and that's how I sort of looked at ACDC. I was like, well, there's no Malcolm, which is kind of impossible to imagine, really. Mm, mm. I mean, still doesn't really feel real. He is, that's like, to me, I mean, I know a lot of people will look at Angus as the sort of 
the figurehead and the, the voice of either Bon Scott or Brian Johnson. But I really think Malcolm Young's rhythm guitar playing is the the kind of the scaffolding, the structure, the base of everything that starts around ACDC. And so uh, the idea that that's not really there, or not even not really there anymore, I suppose he wrote these songs, but, but the idea that that's not there anymore, I, I find that's the thing that the biggest hurdle I find to get over ACDC in the last few years. As an ACDC layman listening to this record, um, I mean... Honestly, it I was halfway through the first um first listen of it before I remembered that Malcolm Young was no longer with us. I uh, to the to the layman, I thought they evoked the spirit and the rhythm of Malcolm so well that I personally didn't notice. Um is that just me or or as a more hardcore devotee can you definitely sense that he's not there? No, I mean he he wrote those songs and I think it's the rest of the band around him. And obviously Stevie Young has been brought up in that family and has that, I don't know if he has it in his blood or whatever, but I think um, it's obviously something that he understands mm. and understands that role. So yes, I think you can definitely, you can definitely, it definitely still feels like ACDC. I mean, I meant really just from sort of going, well, it's Axl Rose Oh, not sure. I mean, even if as great as he might be, it was still like, is Axl Rose really sort of fitting AC? I don't know. And then you've got a different drummer, although Chris Slade obviously has been in the band previously. You've got a bass player who would end up retiring. You're like, well, you can't get a, you can't get a new guitarist and a new drummer and a new bass player. And then Brian Johnson, you're like, why is Brian Johnson come? I mean, the whole thing, so many things were up in the air, but I thought particularly the hardest one to reconcile was ACDC without Malcolm, just without Malcolm, you know, is 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 weird and I, I so i kind of went into this record both knowing exactly what it was going to sound like mm. but also full of trepidation of what i was going to hear and how i was going to react to it because i don't know i mean i think if you were just raiding the closet to see what old songs which presumably songs that you didn't think were good enough in the first place just seeing what you had hanging around to make an album where you're sort of shorn of stability and that musical glue that held you together isn't there and it's this late into your career, you're not really going to be putting out anything that's worth hearing, are you? Surely, surely. That was that was how I went into it. Um, And even when the sort of the opening of Realise, the first track when it comes in, and it sounds glorious. And I was like, this is gloriously... ACDC kind of untouched by anything they are their own ecosystem you know in every single ACDC album opener I mean literally I would say every single opening track on every single ACDC album is fucking great every single one it's just a really really good rock song it's short it's three and a half minutes long short sweet taut tight catchy lovely um but even then I was still like okay I knew you'd write a good song. You always write at least one good song. Um, so you're still doubtful. I, so I was still a little bit doubtful. And Rejection's a little bit slower, a little bit longer. It's not quite as good, but I still found myself, still yeah, smiling all the way through it. It sounds like ACDC. Certainly and does. It certainly <laughs> does. Certainly does. And here's the thing, right? 
that I sort of realised after a few listens to this record. We chat, and the last few weeks particularly, you've brought the word objectively into conversations. And that's all well and good. And obviously we do try to be impartial and look at the broader picture. And, you know, we we want to talk about things without trying to get too emotionally attached and sort of prove to people that we can listen to stuff without getting super emotionally attached to it. And that'd be the sole reason why you should listen to it. I get all that. But ACDC are the reason why you can't really talk about music being objectionably good or bad. <laughs> they destroy that notion stone dead. This is simple music. It's yeah. nothing new. Um, it's never in, They've never introduced any type of new influence to it at all. It's never progressed. It's sounding older and more clunky with each passing album. It is objectionably not that impressive at all. But, but it just feels fucking amazing it just hits you in places that you need to be hit it scratches an itch that so many other bands just cannot scratch and for the first half of this album it is genuinely fucking glorious mm. and I, I i don't know what else you you know what it sounds like you listener. do yeah you, you know what it sounds know. like yeah <laughs> yeah reviewing an album by a band who ostensibly do the same thing on every record and have done since 1975 is hard uh, you know i mean this is acdc if acdc is what you want i doubt you'll be all that disappointed really and if acdc is all you expect you you shouldn't be i don't think i think there are songs on here which are so gloriously instantaneous kick you when you're down could have conceivably been released at any point during the last 40 years. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I have to give credit where it's due. ACDC are capable of writing material that is so identifiably their own in a genre which is chock full of dinosaurs who couldn't um, come up with their own identifiable sound if it was handed to them on a silver platter. And even as someone who is relatively in, relatively indifferent, I would say, is how I feel about ACDC, uh, I, you have to admire that. You have to admire that. And so much of this record just sounds like ACDC. You know? it, it's, it's, it's almost like a magic trick because <laughs> there is nothing... I mean, we would, you know, when we reviewed Springsteen and Neil Young and we've spoken about Robert Plant before and we've spoken, we spoke about Bon Jovi a little while ago and we all said, you know, like this idea of bands growing old gracefully and ACDC are not growing old gracefully no. and this should be embarrassing. It should be embarrassing that they are... They just refuse to accept the fact that it's not 1975 anymore that then you know yeah. that they're not young men that they shouldn't be going around <laughs> talking about demon fire i mean a song like demon fire is it's a bloody rager yeah change my mind you can't change my mind it's just a fucking rager the amazing the picks amazing to hear a guest vocal from dave mustaine circa 1992 <laughs> at the beginning of that song as well <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean... That was the only bit of the album that surprised me. I'll say that much. (laughs) Like, the only bit of this entire 41-minute and three-second record where I went, oh, that sounds a bit different, was the beginning of Demon Fire. And then, what, 30 seconds in? It turns into an ACDC song again. Yeah. But, yeah, there's 30 seconds on this album which made me go, oh... (laughs) I mean, you know, picking out highlights from this, there's the sort of the pick strut of shot in the dark. It's got this rolling ball along chorus, the big, whoa, yeah, on through the mist of time, that grizzled kind of Beano vocal and stomp on kick you when you're down that you mentioned, um, the sort of slow hands blues riff on Witch's Spell. All of them are glorious. They basically all sound exactly the same which is an older version of ACDC, but this is the real deal. And there's nothing, anyone, no music professor, no pitchfork reviewer, no one, nobody can tell me that this isn't brilliant. Like despite all the evidence to the contrary that in 2020, I should be getting excited by this. It doesn't matter because it just, it hits you in your fucking groin this music like it is not your brain that this is aiming for at all no no it hits and and they do they do it brilliantly and it's pretty much like um every acdc album but it's also pretty much like every acdc album from 1983 that it really does start to test that theory and push it to the limit Mm. if you get through 12 (laughs) tracks of it i don't think anyone needs this album there's there's another 16 acdc albums yeah but because it's been six years since the last one you might put this on and get that familiar jolt of adrenaline and excitement that you've just described there and i can totally understand that it it didn't it didn't happen for me but that's just because i feel indifferent to acdc after listening to this record a good four or five times i my position on acdc has not budged one millimeter (laughs) I'm just I'm just still like, yeah, they're very good at what they do. Doesn't do a lot for me, but they are undoubtedly, you know, the best at what they do. Um, I think my favourite song on this record might be Code Red, actually. Yeah, it's a, that's the, the last track. That is yeah. a, a really good way to... I mean, again, ACDC album openers, ACDC album closers, every single one brilliant yeah no exception no exceptions when it first came in i thought someone had accidentally put back in black on at the end of the version of my promo (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it does develop in uh through into one of my favorite songs on the record it's mainly due to that snaky verse riff it's got a bit of a slash vibe on it i do like that um they get away with things that other bands couldn't um I read somewhere i think it was an enemy interview where um angus young said the the word woke doesn't really appear in this band there's a song called money shot um which uh well the lyrics are lady just try the money shot best taken when hot um and, <laughs> you know but like for some reason they get away with it and, and that's awful to say really because we're talking about a 73 year old man but for some reason they get away i mean for some reason they get away with um a shot in the dark is better than a walk in the park, you know, which is one yeah. of the worst lyrics I've ever seen written down. But mm. <clears throat> the way Brian Johnson, um, the way he delivers it, 
It's just the way he delivers it. And, and he doesn't seem like a pervy old man on Money Shot, even though, based on what he's saying, he bloody well is a pervy old man. <laughs> yeah. He definitely I is. I mean, look, I mean, I can't really explain to you why the first sort of seven songs of this is so great. And then I can't really explain to you why the second half is just quite ploddy and not so great, probably with the exception of Code Red. I mean, the gruff... Brian, Joke, Brian Johnson vocals on Demon Fire come in and then I was like, it sounds like Angus is kind of struggling to play that riff a bit and I was like, mm, this isn't working as much and it does take a bit of a dip from then on, I would say. I think it's maybe just, you get a bit fatigued at ACDC not being, yeah. like, you know, this is not as good as Highway to Hell or all that stuff we were just saying about System of a Down. You can kind of quadruple it for ACDC essentially. I think they used to have enough kind of power and vigor to be able to kind of keep it up who are misses in classic acdc style um for you know 10 11 tracks whereas now you do feel like the it, it becomes quite kind of energy sapping towards the end when it's good it feels great and i'm not even sure that that would change i mean you know stuff like wild reputation doesn't do a lot for me neither does no man's land sort of proof that as i said maybe you can have a little bit too much of a good thing um mm. Because I think if you swap, if you put either of those songs at number two and three in the record, I'd probably be telling you how great they were and telling you that the songs that were two and three on the record weren't good later on. I, they are a weird, they're like a Bermuda Triangle of music, ACDC. I don't really know how you explain why they're great or how they're great or when they don't quite hit, why they don't quite hit. What I will say is I think Power Up is probably not quite as good as Black Ice but it's better than rock or bust. Um, it might, it's, it's actually probably better than um, ball breaker. I'd have it over ball breaker. I'd have it over stiff upper lip as well, I reckon. So that's good. You know, I mean, is it as good as power edge or dirty deeds done dirt cheap or back in black or fucking for those about to rock? Like absolutely not. Or highway to hell. Like def definitely, definitely not. Um, but it is what it is, and it's actually far better than it has any right to be whatsoever. But then yeah. it's also exactly what you expect, and I don't really know how they do that. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with any of those things. Um, one point to end on, probably. Um, Brian Johnson said, I'm hoping this album will make young kids go out and buy a guitar, learn the riffs, and discover the rest of our catalogue. Will it? No. No. No, it won't. It won't do that. No. Definitely not. I mean, they sounded old. They've sounded old for a long time, ACDC. Mm. They sounded old when, you know, Stiff when they were working with Rip. Yeah, when Stiff Have a Lip came out. I mean, I was going to say when they were working with Rick. They got Rick Rubin in to try and do what he did with Johnny Cash around the sort of, there was talk, you know, when Ball Breaker came out and that was 95. And they were like, oh, you know, we got Rick Rubin in. He'll sort them out. He'll make them sound like Pearl Jam or whatever. He'll make them, contempor <laughs> he'll make them contemporary. And he didn't because he can't. Um, and they sounded old then. Although, and, um, as you've brought up my favourite band, um, the producer for Power Up is Brendan O'Brien, who has mainly has worked extensively with Belgium. It is. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's worth mentioning Brendan O'Brien and the production of this because... That's why I did. Yeah, I think it's good as well. I think it actually sounds... It, it's, it's a really good production job. And fair play to, to Brendan O'Brien for making ACDC sound... Well, not new, but just sharp. You know, they sound, I think they sound a lot sharper than Rock or Bus. It certainly sounds a lot more 
Well, I don't want to use the word cutting edge, but it certainly sounds all contemporary. I don't know what the word for it is. It's just bigger, better, yeah. more ACDC than you know those albums that I've just mentioned, mm-hmm. with probably the exception of Black Ice, which I would say is probably still the best thing they've done for quite a long time. Um, it, this is you know this is an ACDC record and. It's nice to be... I've not listened to ACDC for a while. Uh, but it's made me... I mean, I've listened to this. It's not made me... Listening to System of a Down's new songs made me go back and listen to the other System of a Down back yeah. catalogue. This hasn't actually made me go back and listen to Highway to Hell or anything. So I don't know. But I'm sure I will do at some point And I'll... Do I ever listen to Black Ice? Nah. Do I ever listen to those records? No. I had a period where I listened to bloody everything. Hmm. And I don't really do that anymore. Um, I've, you know, the Bon Scott. I think the Bon Scott era albums are fucking special, all of them. But Brian Johnson's got a few decent ones as well, and I think this is decent. I mean, like you say, does the world need this? And they're talking about it not being their last one as well, which I find oh, wow. <laughs> quite incredible. <laughs> okay, I think it probably it probably might be. I would be. In six years, you know, there's six years between these albums. Mm. There's six years between Rock or Bust and Black Ice. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be at least, you would think, at least another fucking half a decade at best. Mm. I mean, yeah, Stiff Upper Lip actually is eight years between Stiff Upper Lip and Black Ice and then six years between Black Ice and Rock or Bust and another six years. So you're looking at 2026, a new ACDC album. Can you see that happening? Uh, no. No, I can't. I mean, they'll be 80. They'll be getting on for it, won't they? Yeah, no. They'll be in their 80s. Mm, no. Don't no I, I, I'd be surprised. So if the, if they're going out like this, and they probably are, <laughs> whether they want to or not, um, this isn't a bad, this is a pretty good way to go out. It's certainly better. I thought Rock or Bust might be the last one. And that is a bit of a duffer. Mm. Uh, this is definitely better than that. Good, but it's fucking ACDC. Like, yeah. What else can one say? Yeah, well, I feel like we we've, we've squeezed blood out of this I, stone. I, I was about to say I'm amazed we've gone on as long as we have. To be honest, there's not much <laughs> more to say. It's an ACDC record. If you like it, you'll like it. If you don't, you won't. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Power up by ACDC is out right now, and um, it's <laughs> just to hammer this home. It sounds like ACDC. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Yezu. This is some jump in it. Mm. ACDC to Yezu. Uh, Terminus is the first full-length album from Justin Broderick's experimental duo since 2013. Are they a duo still? Yeah. 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 I think we said before. Um, we recently reviewed their EP Never, uh, which I very, very much enjoyed. And I spoke during that review about how I'd never really gone properly in on yezu and their their back catalog little update on that i still haven't so <laughs> sorry everyone but that ep uh, i thought was really good um just before we go into terminus remfrey um i just want to say we there's a couple of albums that we got quite late in the day this week yes. through no fault of anyone at all uh but we got them quite late in the day um for acdc actually we got that with plenty of time not that yeah, it really mattered yeah. <laughs> not that it really mattered the one, the one um, we needed the least <laughs> yeah the old one listen um 
But I feel like this record is a record that really does need to be poured over and we haven't had maybe as much time as we might like to have done that. We've only had about 24 hours with this record and yeah. I've listened to it three times in that 24 Same, hours. I've listened to it three times as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've listened to it three times, but clearly it is a very different beast from Never, it is, I would say. Yeah. Um, Never was almost like a sort of dance EP. I mean, you know, during that review, there were times when I was mentioning stuff like the future sound of London. Um, here it's far more Melvin's at some points. I mean, the opening riff sounds like 80s by Killing Joke, or as some of you listeners might know it as, as uh, <laughs> Come As You Are by Nirvana. And that opens the whole thing up and it immediately sets its stall out as quite different from never um actually, which obviously is, is a good thing yeah this is actually far more closer to what i would associate with the yezu sound than never mm. never was um probably the most electronic thing they've ever done um but this is far more of that kind of hypnotic semi-distorted wave of sound that yezu do so well and that's what i think of when i think of them um very kind of shoegazy like really lethargic doom in a weird way yeah. they're kind of a really lethargic doom pop band jay yezu mm. um which doesn't sound like something that we'd like but they're just so kind of beautiful and they the, the guitar tones that they come out with are very um deftones-esque at their most kind of uh vast and cinematic and beautiful something like minerva or something like that and i'm just an absolute sucker for that stuff and i think this album represents that kind of stuff really well it does um i mentioned this kind of the somber grungy riff that opens when i was small and it was it's much more organic sounding i think than the organic stuff the on word. never yeah. Yeah. and i did wonder actually if i was going to like this just as much because you know stylistically as we've mentioned on a surface level i think stylistically sonically it's very very different um and it was like you say kind of this shoegazy deftonesy grungier glacial thing and then halfway through that song it changes and it feels much wider in scope and they do start to bring in those sounds those i don't know if they're electronics or synth bass sounds and it gives it for me that's when the kind of grandiosity came in and they filled it full of all that lush stuff and i really loved that from you know that the, they're sort of elements of that from before which they lean on a, a bit more um and i thought it was great and it really sucked me in from a place where i think initially i was oh that you know because my opinion my kind of guesswork if you like of yezu was that they were going to be that exactly what you just said right that kind of dreamy doom ethereal doom pop thing like that's kind of what i always thought they were dream pop doom. and yeah and when they weren't that on never I found that like, oh, that's exciting to have my preconceived notions challenged. Good. Never never was actually a challenging EP for me when I first heard mm. it because I was like, this doesn't really sound like Yezu. And when I listened to it more, it, it became more of a Yezu record. But yeah, this is far closer to the quote unquote Yezu sound. Yeah. And I was sort of a bit ho-hum at the start because I was like, well, yeah, I guess this is sort of what I expected. But then it really sucked me in from a place from being quite ho-hum to being really like, oh, this is actually a very, very fucking cool song. And um, and then the second song alone is a really pretty, really catchy, quite sweet sounding song. Yeah. And 
when the riff to the title track comes in and it sounds all rough and scathing after that i think what i that's the point where i was like okay i like sort of everything that they do but i actually like them sounding light and bright as opposed to sign sounding a bit gruffer personally i don't know how you feel about that i think i know yeah i, I yes i probably would agree with you i think some of their most sort of beautiful moments of their career have been when they've been lighter and brighter um they do do that hypnotic swirling doom thing really really well which you can just get lost in i mean this album is eight tracks over 51 minutes but it never feels all that long it felt half as long as the next album we're going to review uh which is actually a shorter record um you know because you get really swept up in it um and that's what yezu do so brilliantly I think this is a really like this is their sixth full length album now. It's quite complicated their releases because they have so many EPs. I mean, I described last time. I think the manner in which they approach music is they'll do something experimental on an EP, and then they'll follow it up very quickly, as they have done with this one. This that EP we were only talking about it three months ago. Yeah. Um, then they'll follow it up very quickly with something which is far more familiar to Yezu fans and that's exactly what they've done here there was a tiny bit of a concern because it's actually been seven years since their last full-length album and you know would they've taken quite a lot of time out of this project would it be as good as it has been in the past um short answer yes basically it's fucking fantastic this record yeah I mean I like both of those sort of styles that we mentioned I like I, I think they do them both very well. I mean, again, particularly when you say that kind of that dreamscapey doom thing, yeah. that might be something that people and our relationship with doom. I mean, we've had a couple of weeks now where from Paul Bearer to Solstice Fear and a lot of the doom things, we do usually end up going, I can see why people like this, but do I actually like it myself? Yeah. Um, whereas I do actually like this. And I like both styles and what they do. But to me, when they get that, light as a cloud thing which is not something that many doomy bands do very often um because i think because of justin broderick justin broderick is someone who there is an air of intensity around everything that justin broderick does whether he's trying to be light or heavy or whether he's using distorted guitars or you know very kind of minimalist synth he is someone who makes music from quite an intense perspective, you know? And I think the juxtaposition to that works better when they're doing lighter music because it still feels heavy. I mean, it still feels quite heavy even when they're being light. You know, there is just this kind of air of intensity about all of this, which I think when you're playing sort of doomier, heavy, distorted guitar riffs, it maybe just doesn't sound quite as... I, I still like it, but I like it a bit less than having that juxtaposition where you're like, this is really bright and sunny and quiet, mm. and but it's still really intense. And I think they do when they do that, that's really good. Really I, good. I feel like this might be a bit of a nerdy thing to say, so apologies if I get a little bit too total guitar now. But I think a massive part of why... I respond to Yezu so much more than I other, than I do other Doom is because of the kind of tonality that um, Broderick comes up with in his guitars 
um, they sound so pretty and the chords sound like they're like heavy but pretty at the same time and the chords ring out and they sound like they're moving and shifting and so if you're only hearing like one chord every six seconds it doesn't matter because the chord ringing out in and of itself sort of becomes the music because that's shifting and changing because of the effects that he's got over the top of it and I think that just keeps me involved so much more than if it was a generic let's say I don't know primitive man say who will have a chord ring out but the guitar tone isn't particularly interesting to listen to you know mm. Um, and I th- I th- they they've got a really he's they've got a really good um i mean there's a song in it called um sleeping in is that what it's called sleeping in mm-hmm. and yes and that is so quiet at the start and it's about 90 seconds of it being really really quiet and then when the guitar comes in i actually it made me it made me it was like a jump scare it actually made me go, ah, because it was so loud. And to go from so quiet to so loud. I mean, you make that point about Mogwai all the time. Yes. And that's why Mogwai are the best band at doing that, probably. Um, yes. And it's got that kind of funereal doom feel about it. A kind of industrialized shoegazing funeral doom thing. And it's really, really impressive. And I just... You know, the fact that they made me actually kind of jump out of my seat when the guitar came in because it was so much louder than everything that had come before. And then it just and it and it's not like a you know, like metal bands might do that where they'll they'll do a quiet bit and then the, the chorus will be really I mean we'll talk about quiet loud, quiet loud dynamics in a minute <laughs> and how you it's a good way to be able to sort of, you know, do that properly. Um but it's you know, it's it's just very impressive the way mm. that they sort of managed to straddle those those sounds mm. yes uh yeah um i and yeah it's, it's really good i mean i particularly like the last two songs don't wake me up reminded me of texas is the reason ah, which i really like nice. which is a really weird a very very odd comparison a kind of american emo band on revelation mm. records and this sort of doom pop electro sort of doom thing um but just some of the chords were texas is the reason when they were slow, they were one of the the better or the best emo bands, I think. And the last song, um, "Give Up," is sounds like a sort of late eighties ambient Aphex Twin thing, and it's fucking excellent. That was probably the one that jumped out at me on first listen. All right, first listen through that last track, I was like, "That's the one. That's fucking brilliant." But overall, like I, you know, this is very good. Excellent. Um, do you think between now and the next AZ release, which will probably be a couple of years rather than uh, three months, do you think you will check out some of the back catalogue? I think so, yeah. I mean, I think this is really good. I think it's often excellent. Um, if I'm going to be totally honest, I, I I did go back and listen to Never straight after this, and I, I can't review this with quite the same enthusiasm as I did Never, mainly because... Probably because I think this has got a lot more to give to me from three listens, you know. Yeah. It's probably not quite enough. But I and I, I do think an EP of this pace would probably be a little bit more interesting than, to me than an entire album. I mean, I just missed out a couple of songs, which in the, the sort of second latter part of the album, which are perfectly fine. But I think maybe like 40 minutes of this, mm-hmm. 
you know it would be or i think the, the ep is only like 35 minutes long or so and you know that's that's a really good length of time for that stuff and i i, I did actually find the ep a little bit better and a little bit more interesting but this definitely holds my attention and it is really good and it has made me go well if they if i've heard two things from their entire discography and they're both pretty much completely unrelated from each other mm-hmm. that's quite an that's quite an exciting thing to go god i've got this whole discography of stuff so i think undoubtedly this has sharpened my intent to go and listen to more yezu for sure yeah i would recommend my favorite full my favorite release by them actually is their last album 2013's every day i get close to the light from which i came but you've just said that you'd like an album like this but as an ep i think the closest they've come to that is their silver ep which was released in 2006 has very similar cover art as well, I've just noticed, and I'm wondering if there's a connection there. I have no idea, but yeah. Um, this immediately reminded me of Silver. So. Mm, okay. Um, what about you? You, you Well, you've said you you like this. Where does it stand amongst their discography, would you Ooh. say? They have six full-length albums. It may well be my third favourite. Um, I think I still prefer Every Day I Get Close to the Light Which I Came, and... I really like Ascension as well. I don't know. Um, yeah, probably maybe third, around around the halfway point. Uh, it's complicated, yeah, Yezu, though, because they have their EPs are just as valid as their albums, like just as interesting. They're just a little bit shorter. And um, they've done collaboration albums with uh, Sun Kill Moon as well, which are really fascinating. So it's just like, do you include all of them? Do you not? You know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah. what a band. Love them. Yeah, very, very good. Um, that's Terminus by Yezu. That is out right now, as is our next record that we're going to be talking about. Uh, it comes from King 810 or King 810. What are they meant to be, King 810? I think it's 810. Yeah. 810. It sounds better. 8, yeah, I think it sounds better, yeah. Um, AK Concerto 47th, 47th, 11th movement in G major is the slightly pretentious name of the record. What's uh, more pretentious? that or i tell my guitar the things i used to tell you um i think that is more pretentious because at least i tell my guitar the things that i used to tell you when you listen to it you go ah yes that makes sense yes those two things are slightly related (laughs) this doesn't and we'll get into whether or not that is a good thing or not uh in a little bit but it's the fourth (coughs) album from the flint michigan metal band the follow-up to last year's suicide king album uh an album that we reviewed and during that review we spoke a lot about where king 810 were at at that point in their career we talked about the part that the media played in hyping them and then the reaction by people fans whoever the record buying public to that the negative kind of kickback reaction that most people had to King 810 when they first came out and how they've kind of been damned by that initial press explosion um, and the the stories and the problems that followed them around since I think they're down to two members at this point. Yeah. Uh, they turned up at Bloodstock with no guitarists. Uh, by all accounts, they played the Underworld, and there was like half of them couldn't go. They got banned from playing Download the first time they played because they were stopped for gu- guns in it. Lots of guns. They bloody love. They bloody love guns. I mean, we spoke again. We spoke when we reviewed uh, Suicide King. We spoke about how you know I personally think that 
their second album, La Petite Mort, A Conversation with God, was a far superior album to whatever the first one was called, Memoirs of a Murderer. Um, I thought it was an interesting and ambitious record. It doesn't always hit the spot, but at least it showed some kind of attempt to do something different in metal. Um, We spoke about the kind of the Nick Cave and Tom Waits bits, the sort of bluesier stuff, the old school hip hop songs. And then Suicide King came along. And that, again, I felt was kind of a record of two halves, really. And they literally did split it into two halves. A bunch of new metal songs in the first bit. And then some stuff where they went for the more piano-driven bluesy singer songwritery thing sometimes i thought with fairly decent results but sometimes a million miles away i think as you pointed out they're so far away from really getting yeah that thing that someone like tom waits would do yeah. that it's not really worth you listening to a band doing that and being so so far away from it which if, is fair if, if you're gonna do that you need good lyrics and sorry david gunn but you're not a good lyricist and that's the thing they are endlessly pushing this unbelievably ultra aggressive gun toting image that can be a real turnoff for a lot of people particularly as you and i sit here in our you know fairly middle class surroundings in you know, in Britain, rural Britain for my part, and um, quite a nice part of London, if you don't mind me saying, Renfrew for you. It's a nice environment and it's difficult to really uh, empathise with what I'm sure are the quite horrible living conditions of, you know, Flint, Michigan is a tough place to come from. Um, But framing it in the way that King 8 one oh frame it is often exhausting oh so exhausting yeah um i think i find king 810 exhausting full stop really um when memoirs of a murder came out in 2014 you've already said this a little bit but the hype around it was as deafening as it was sickening i thought i just thought it was so ridiculous roadrunner were convinced that king 810 were new slipknot the new slipknot quote unquote the next big thing um they um opened for slipknot at wembley arena uh and everyone seemed to have an opinion on them everyone controversy followed them round like the smell of a recently discharged revolver see what i've done there because they like guns yeah uh you know i got that gun (laughs) (laughs) in 2020 I think David Gunn could oust himself as a terrorist working for ISIS and it barely warrant column in- inches. Um, they just mad, isn't it? don't like no one gives a fuck about King 810 anymore. They're not on Roadrunner anymore. Um, the last album was self-released. I believe this one is as well. Um, I to, to, actually to put this into context to how how, you know, where the hype has gone for them. I had to tell the editor of Metal Hammer two days ago that this record was coming out because he didn't even know wow okay yeah uh yeah we got the promo for this very very late as well didn't we like very late Mm -hmm. in the day um and i also did a quick search for other reviews of this record just to see if anyone uh to see what people were saying i couldn't find a single review for it wow there's that's lo- mad isn't it there's lots of people who have there's quite a few people who tentatively announced that it was coming out 
Um, but even a lot of the major news websites, I mean, Metal Hammer, for example, just haven't picked up on it at all. They just, and why would you? Like, because King 810 at this point, I think are just basically an embarrassment. Um, Metal Sucks wrote an editorial on them purely to rip the piss. Uh, you understand? I don't tend to like to encourage websites to do this sort of thing, but this one was faintly amusing. Um, Axel Rosenberg wrote, King 810 have released a new song, Red Queen, and it's so bad it makes me think that the band should change their name to King 2020 so they'll be forever associated with this deeply shitty year. Listening to it will kill more brain cells than huffing three entire canisters of whipped cream, only it won't get you high. If you can figure out what the lyric, we're living, living like we're dead, you're living, living like the sickness in your head means, congratulations, you speak idiot. <laughs> so, here we have it then. A, another fair, an album fairly quickly put out. And I have to say, we very nearly didn't cover this record yeah. because... I felt like I knew exactly what King 810 were at this point. I didn't want to cover this very same ground. I thought we covered this on Suicide King. Yeah. We've done it. Um, I didn't really want to go over old ground again. And although, uh, well, we were we were going to not do this. And then mm -hmm. you listened to it and you came to me and you said, I think we should cover it. Why? Yeah, because actually... I don't strictly think we are dealing with the same thing from King 810 again. Mm -hmm. Is that a good thing? Well, uh, yes and no. I mean, here's what I think. It starts very, very badly. Mm. Very badly. There is no getting away from it. It's David Draymond. Ooh, wah, ah, ah, ah. That is what <sighs> David Gunn is doing. Like... I, he just does it slower, moodier, and with a scowl on his face. <laughs> I mean, I cannot understand how how has that happened? It's terrible. And the the uh, rapping, please explain to me how that has happened. The rapping on that song is absolutely god awful as well. It's just just yeah. awful, awful new metal throwback. It's I mean, it's more sort of pretty remorselessly ranked shit about being the bogeyman or whatever. Right. And I sort of thought to myself, well, I know exactly what's going to happen here. I know exactly what's going to happen. They'll do a load of new metal songs. And then the second half, we're going to get some sort of experiment or some poetry or some singer songwriter yes. stuff or something's going to happen. It'll be quite disjointed. It won't really work. And we'll sort of be going, well, you're obviously trying to do something different and you're not really doing it. And it's that's that was to me, that's sort of the frustrating thing with King 810 because most metal bands don't even try, like, would never even dare to try to go down kind of Nick Cavey territory or use blues piano or you know, reference Portishead and stuff like that. Mm. And, and you know, all of that stuff gets ignored and it gets forgotten. And the reason it gets forgotten is because the i'm the fucking gun man i'm gonna bang bang like all that shit that is just so looms so much larger and and i forgot and it, about that bang bang song yeah and, <laughs> i know and i mean that song i mean you mentioned red queen and i mean red queen it sounds like it sounds like limp biscuit uh, he, he sounds like fred durst on it um when you think and, and the thing is that King 810 have a very, very recognisable sound. I mean, say what you want about whether it's good or not, but that heavy groove metal, rap metal thing, maybe the more experimental stuff, like, 
maybe not so much but that thing that people know them for is is very clearly definitely defined as them david voice david gunn's voice is very very recognizable he's got that weird kind of grunty vocal style and the tonality of their guitars and stuff and the sort of the intensity of it I mean, it's really heavy and thuggish and threatening. I mean, and you said that about Code Orange last week, you know, Code Orange feel dangerous as a band. I think King 810, they at least feel, I don't know if dangerous is the word, but at least they feel, they feel like thuggishly threatening. And I think that will, that will appeal to certain people. They're confrontational. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's probably worth giving them, um, a little bit of credit for at least sounding like that very stereotypical thing that they sound like. It does sound like them. I guess I, you know, I guess they do have an identifiable sound just about. Mm. Um, Mm. I don't think they have an identifiable sound in the way that say the Beatles do. Um, I think you could only. (laughs) (laughs) The Beatles and King 810. I mean, there's so many other places you could have gone, but fine. No, I was about to say, I th- what my point making that is, whilst if you listen to metal, I think you'd be able to go, oh, that's King 810. If you didn't listen to metal, um, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between King 810 and Slipknot, say. But, you know, I think I think someone who only listens to classical music their entire life could tell the Beatles the difference between the Beatles and... The Rolling Stones? Well, the birds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll do. Fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll admit there is an identifiable sound there, but, but you know, Insane Clown Posse have an identifiable sound as well, don't they? They do. It's not they absolutely always, do. It's not always a good thing. It is most of the time, but it isn't always a good thing. Um, mm. When you think about the year we've had in 2020, King 810 should be able to clean up. We've had a lot of albums this year talk very sensitively and passionately about gun crime, um, mainly due to the George Floyd stuff. And this is prime King 810 territory. If there is any time in their history that they should be able to put out something really profound um, that has something genuine to say beyond guns are bad or guns are good um this should be the time they should be able to do that if david gunn is the disturbed lyrical genius we were all told that he was he should be able to come up with some pretty acerbic prose that are going to shock us to our very cause right well i didn't expect that but (laughs) (laughs) so the lyrics of red queen Hands up, hands down, do what I say now, don't disobey now. The crowd moves, the crowd boos, they don't want me, they want you. Yeah, my shit hair, in my shit clothes, in my kicks though, I'm from a shithole. My bitch thick though, myself rip bro, tell them how you really feel, cause I'm so for real. I don't make deals, I can't be bought, huh? They cut a check, huh? I ran off, I don't think I'm cool, I don't want to be. My word is gold, in my city, what can you do for me? Nothing. Yeah, well, that song's about clearly is about them getting dropped by Roadrunner and stuff, isn't it? Is it? That's a yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I got from it. I was like, oh, that's about them going. Well, oh, we didn't want to be big. <laughs> I just think it's about guns, isn't it? 
Isn't it about guns? <laughs> Even when it's not about guns, <laughs> it's still about guns. I think it's about guns. No, I think it's about them getting... I think that's about them being hyped and them saying, oh, well, we, we do never want it to be big anyway, so fuck off. That might be the case. Whether I understood the lyric or not, I can still tell it's crap. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I mean, but that's what that's what I thought it was about. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's nothing on here that... I mean, you know, Killer Mike is not going, oh, fucking hell, there's a new... <laughs> <laughs> there's, a new there's a new sheriff in town. Um, but, I mean... It's kind of standard. And it, here's the thing, right? So you get a big sub drop thing on I Am The Enemy, which is very like, sort of deathcore bands do that. It's cool. And yes, it's really forgettable so far. You get a sort of atmospheric bit where he does a whispered soft throat vocals on Love Under Will. Goes a bit stompy. Then it sort of is, tries to do Hurt by Night Snails. And I'm still <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really not feeling this. It's a sort of quiet, loud, quiet, loud thing. Has definitely been done better. But it's around that point where I was like, okay, You've done all the sort of new metally stuff. What you know? What are you going to chuck at the wall this time? Yeah. And the answer is nothing. Kind of nothing. <laughs> and this is a is so like, this is their straightest record, isn't it? It absolutely is. Mm. Now Da Vinci Hands Pinocchio, who's got that more sort of that's a gun. So Johnny's got a gun, and they go you know super quiet to super loud. Oh, that's about slightly, guns, is it? That I think that's probably about oh, guns, yeah. Okay. Um, and you'll have to tell me it's um, it's it's swept up in uh, metaphor these songs. But there's a few bits like that's got a bit in it where it all breaks down with this kind of electrical static thing, and it sounds a sort of about mid-period Marilyn Manson. And rather than new metal, they start going for kind of goth stuff. There's a song in it called Jukes, which sounds a bit like Maylene, the Sons of Disaster, that kind of proper yes. southern metal thing. Jukes and I actually has think- that cool slide guitar moment in it that reminds me of Thunderkiss 65 by White Zombie. Yeah, and I think that actually suits them quite well. Now, there's no doubt about it. They can write a big old fucking riff and David Gunn puts on a kind of cowboy drawl and, you know, it's not anything real and all that stuff you're talking about, you know, this like you are the voice of a generation stuff like fucking chuck that out the window. Yeah. This is a good headbanging metal song, Jukes. Yeah. Like it's a good headbangy metal song and, you know, House of Dust is probably the only time they really go out of their comfort zone too much. And it's got a sort of, I mean, God, it's almost sort of evanescent style symphonic new metal thing, which is really not the sort of thing that I want to listen to. But again, big, they're competent. They seem like they're quite competent at doing that. Um, it's got a big Western vibe, hasn't it? That song. Yeah. And um, I, I, I personally think that song sounds great until David Gunn comes in and starts mm. wanking bilge out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> but wanking bilge. <laughs> um, but but no. It, in terms of what you're saying about them being capable, yes, they 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 mm. obviously are, and I think that's actually something. And there have been moments, but particularly on Le Petite, uh, Le Petite More um, yeah. conversations with God, there there are moments where I go, well, you're clearly capable of doing something a bit more than just fucking Rob Zombie. Um, but I still don't think, I don't think they figured it out then. And I still don't think they figured it out now, really. Well, I think like Love Bomb starts like the sort of the soundtrack to an 80s action movie. And it goes into this sort of industrial groove. And it's got a kind of, I wouldn't say it's rapping, but it's sort of spat lyrics. And I think, again, it's pretty good. And it's the same dynamic again. 
but they're actually pretty good at it. And the chorus is fucking massive. And if it came on in a rock club, it would sound really good. And I think the last two songs, probably the highlight of the record, Suicide Machines is not big. It's not clever. It's just a massive fuck off big hulking groove. And it's really super catchy. It's really gets in your head and it gets your head going up and down and it is perfect for mainstream festival stages rock clubs all that stuff the chorus is genuinely huge it's probably my favorite song on the record and then they've got this kind of weird little electro ending song which has this we the people it's got an and it sounds a bit like republica do you know what I mean? Like, it's not cutting edge metal or anything like that, but it was like a proper 90s industrial thing. And we spoke about Three Teeth. And we were like, yeah. they didn't do anything new, but they're kind of, it's kind of enjoyable. And the second I, I, half I, of this... I Sorry, I just, just to interject, I found this song very jarring, I have to say. And I didn't like a single solitary thing about it. But but Carrie, I, I, I'm quite surprised you like it. I'm not... I, I hated it that last song. <laughs> Did you? Well, it sounds like um, it sounds like uh, "Drop Dead Gorgeous" by Republica, I think, but with okay. a bloke going "We the People" <laughs> over the top of it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I mean, this record, we've got to the point where King Eight Ten feel like they've just accepted what they're good at and who they are and all of those stereotypical things. And there's no attempt to be sort of arty. There's no attempt to be too ambitious and then sort of fall on your face. The guns thing and the murder thing and all that is still there and it's quite hard to empathise with. And a lot of it is filler. And I think that's something they should really, like you say, they should be trying to sort of phase it out and maybe talk about something different or at least find a different way to, to talk about it. Because ultimately it's not really i don't know it's not really doing them any favors at all but if this had been their first record i would have been like this is some stuff which is crap and some stuff which is just unbelievably catchy in a metal world which really struggles for big anthemic songs and there's an end the end of this album has got three or four really, really big, catchy, anthemic songs, which I think in the kind of the new metal era, in the sort of turn me on Mr. Deadman, Halo, Last Resort era, I they probably would have, they would have had big fucking hits on their hands with some of these songs. And the problem is obviously most people have made up their minds about King 810. They've made up their mind about this band and they have every right to do that, I think. Because let's be honest, King 810 have fucking, they've blown it. And they've got no one to blame but themselves for the fact they've blown it. But when they just do dumb as fuck, straight down the line, metal bangers, I think they're pretty good. You like this record a lot more than I do. I fucking Mate, hate well, it. Well, obviously. Do you? <laughs> I absolutely hate it. I, I I understand what you're saying. Um, and I, I certainly think it's the least uh ambitious King 810 record, and they're not doing things that they were trying to do before, and that might be better for them because they've shown multiple times that they're not capable of doing what they were trying to do before. Um I think that if this had been their first album, I don't think there would have been a lot of hype around it because I don't think there would have been anything to hang the hype on. No. No, no, but but you know, that's 
that's sort of by the by, really. I mean, you know, again, that might have been a good thing for them. Some bands just do. I mean, you know, we spoke about Five Finger Death Punch at the start of the year. I think there are songs on this that are every bit as good and as big sounding as, you know, I stood in an wow. arena, at Wembley Arena, and watched that Five Finger Death Punch show. And there's songs on there that I think you could chuck in. You know, like I say, you, you could you could chuck in definitely Suicide, suicide Machines and Dukes particularly i think you could chuck in and be like they they to me sound like mtv2 2002 like fodder like they would and and that's not an insult like i've not that i was big on that type of music at the time but certainly like when dig by mudvane came out or just so you know by american head charge and all those those big songs like they're they're every bit as good as those types of songs and i think if they had just gone maybe we should just be a sort of new metal revivalist band. Like, you know, Kane Hill. No one really talks about Kane Hill anymore. Kane Hill have got, a, uh, got you know, a few really, really wicked songs. But, but no one despises Kane Hill. No one's like, I fucking hate that band. Like, people hate King 810. Yeah. And I can understand why. I can understand why you would hate them. I think if they'd, you know, I mean, we were pretty like, oh, you know, sounds like ministry about three teeth. Fine. If you like that sort of thing, you'll like this. If people love that big anthemic rock club banger, there's a few of them on here. And I, I, I think, unfortunately, you know, they don't, they, they definitely don't help themselves. I mean, shit like the first song and Red Queen and you know the da vinci hands pinocchio knows those sort of songs like you were not helping yourself but i think for king 810 if they ever are just going to be a band that people just go that have a small but committed fan base they gotta lean on that stuff and just accept that they are not capable of being a hip-hop band or nick cave and write some fucking rock club bangers and then they might be all right I do. I agree. I think Dukes is the best song on the record, probably. Uh, I'm not with you on Suicide Machine, I'm afraid. Um, Suicide Machine! <laughs> boom, 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 boom. That's wicked. And that's the reason why. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but they still wouldn't do anything for me, personally. So. No, I mean, that is the high watermark that all <laughs> musicians must strive for. But yeah, no, no, you're well, right. Well, if they want well, look, a good review I mean, from me, then yes. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but that's the reason why I decided to bring it in because I was like, I, I fully expected another go at them going, oh, look, we are really artistically interested. And for whatever reason, they, they you know, there's there's might have been a bit of soul searching and a little bit of self-awareness. And I think they're a bit better for it to be perfectly honest. Um, it does make the name uh, seem even more stupid than it actually is. That's though. what it, yeah, that's, that's like, get rid of that. I think that you, I sort of hear bits and I go, you know, you'll never like, they would never be my favorite ever band. If I, if they were releasing an album full of suicide machines, but I probably would go, what a fun record. Okay. What a fun record. You know, what a cool, yeah. I mean, you mentioned white zombie. Yeah. There's nothing particularly thoughtful about, rob zombie's music or white zombie's music but no. i still like listening to rob zombie now and again i still like listening i mean i really i've got astro creep 2000 on vinyl i fucking love that record it's not big it's not clever but it's you know it's 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 all right but you know, static x we gave static x a good review live anyway you know wisconsin death trip there's nothing 
special about that record. There's nothing musically yeah. ambitious or interesting about that record. It's yeah. just really good stomping metal that feels good. And I think King when eight, King eight ten would do well to remember that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So there you go. Um, AK Concerto forty seven etc etc is out now <laughs> um join us for our album of the year show to see where that ends up on Renfrey's list uh, we're doing our top 1500 records this year so it might just make it in at the end um let's uh think if it would think if you how bad is that that album do you think if we're doing the worst albums of the year i reckon i've heard about 300 records this year and mm-hmm. i reckon it'd be near the bottom <laughs> it would be mm. near the bottom it would be well, in the, okay. the, the 250 and up, I think. I've definitely heard worse records than it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I've heard I've def- around def- about def- 50. Heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's better. That, I mean, the Green Day album is one that immediately I'm like, that yeah, is yeah. worse. Green Day album is pretty awful. Yeah, although, you know... <laughs> Put that on your poster, King 810. Better than Green Day. Right, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got one more album to talk about. Um, we'll probably end up talking about this record longer than the record actually is. Uh, <laughs> Hatred's Reservoir by Shackles, the second full-length album from the Byron Bay-based sludge metal power violence crew. Um, I was given this album by Mr. Jonathan Seltzer at Metal Hammer Magazine to review, and... It was just like a bloody neutron bomb of an album. I don't know anything about this band. Um, it's noisy. But if you go to the... It's fucking noisy. noisy. If you go to their Bandcamp page of this record, there is a review from a gentleman called Warren Barton, who, as football fans will know, used to play for Wimbledon and Derby and was a member of Kevin Keegan's Newcastle team that nearly won the league. Right. And he says it's like being <laughs> smashed over the head with a sledgehammer and it's for fans of helpless cult leader and all pigs must die. And as a former England international, you're not going to argue <laughs> with Warren Barton, are you? That's funny. I agree with Warren as well, because I said it. I think it sounded like leached nails helpless and having your head caved in by a massive sledgehammer. So, yes, me and Warren, we're like that. I'm putting my fingers mm. Yeah. Um, they uh, themselves, Shackles, have said nearly 10 years exploring the dead space situated somewhere in the triad of power violence, grind and death metal. I think they've, um, they've, nailed, they've it with that nailed it with their own <laughs> yeah. explanation of what they are doing. I mean, subtle, nuanced progressive no none of the, none of those things this is pure white hot savage unrelenting naked hatred for 13 tracks in around 22 minutes and 22 minutes and 40 seconds yeah and it will surprise you to know it surprise no one to know that i just fucking love it of course you love it uh, i just fucking love it i've got a real problem <laughs> put it on just before bed i did Uh, did. longest song is two minutes 56 seconds and placed in the middle of the album rather than at the end which is nice uh the shortest is just 68 seconds um uh yeah this is absolutely brutal i mean uh, i i i do share your opinion to a degree i'm not absolutely enamored with it but it is an absolute skull fuck of a record they're very good at switching from something very frenetic and blast beaty into something with groove in an instant uh they employ that trick a fair few times on this record but it's a neat trick and they do it very well um i think 
I don't I don't have loads to say about this record, really, apart from it's really face melting. And if you like stuff like Nails and Leech and stuff, you'll probably like this. But do you think yeah. it's up there with the Nails and the Leeches of the world? Well, this is the thing that I was going to say, Renfrew, like Magruder Grind and Nails and all those bands that I really love. And they remind me of that kind of thing. And I've got a problem because, I mean, I tweeted this yesterday. It's like I am incapable of really reviewing this. It's been a bad week for me for reviews, really, because... <laughs> I can't explain why ACDC is good. I can't really explain <laughs> what King 810 are doing. I don't really know much about Yezu. And Shackles just sound like anything that does this I immediately gets at least an 8 out of 10 for me because <laughs> I just love the sound of this stuff. I mean, Beneath the Mask has got this one-two stomp groove thing for about 10 seconds, which is some so, so fucking cool. It's like proper old-school death metal played at a billion miles an hour, but you get the chug on those slightly longer songs on it, which I think it was really great as well. I, I love it. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. See, um, I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but I just <laughs> that popped in my head for some reason. Someone should use that. They should use that little, um, that bit as a, as an intro anyway. <laughs> but you know, that kind of black breath trap, them all pigs must die. Sludgy, horrid warp speed grind thing. I, I just I just think all of it sounds equally as brilliant as the other mm. and they are really really good they maybe don't have the 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 project the production job of a band like Nails or Napalm Death mm. who are I guess a bit sharper and also sound a bit bigger yeah. um but there's stuff like on Propaganda's Demise they go fast then they go faster then they go slow and then they go even faster again and they have the kind of napalm death scream and burp vocals all going off against each other. They've got a bit of Kurt Ballou worship on discarded sheath of political aims. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't really let up. There's that groove blast beat, which I love on Yoke of Ideology that goes into that death metal rattle, that dum dum yeah, dum yeah, dum yeah thing, which is amazing. And I think like the cool thing about this is this record is it, I think it actually gets more intense the deeper you start getting into it. Like there's a song in it mm. called Collectivized Lobotomy. Mm. And the start of it is so mad. I actually I what you know when you listen to this stuff and it actually makes you laugh. Because yes. you're like, the fucking nerve of you to the nerve of you to make this much noise this deep into your album. Like how much more intense can you possibly be? Yeah. But they really do a lot and you've heard it all before. But when it sounds this good, I just can't pretend that again. This just doesn't tick all the boxes that I need ticking from this type of music. And metal bands, every metal band should sound like this. Every metal band should sound every, I want Saxon to give up doing what they're doing and start making this type of music. I'm, I'm embarrassed at how easy it is for me to just love this stuff because I can't really review it with any sort of sense of objectivity. Uh, I just love it. I, I, I think it's really good. I don't, well, to answer my own question, I don't think it's quite up to nails and leech level. <laughs> to answer the question I asked fucking 10 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's, oh, I don't think it's miles away from either of those bands, but mm. I go back to leeched and nails records a fair bit certainly nails and i don't really I, I don't quite see myself going back to this um not because it isn't any good because it is i just because you're a 
Because you're a pussy. That's I'm why. A pussy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I just don't hear anything else in it that I don't get elsewhere, which is a point that you've kind of already acknowledged. Um, it doesn't mm. sound any different to stuff that we've heard before, but it is really good yeah. and it's really well put together. And it's only their second album. Um, and yeah, if you like that really disgusting power violence grind stuff, um, I see no reason why you wouldn't get something out of this record. Yeah, I did tweet this exact thing yesterday. Like, I can't review these things. And someone said, what are you listening to? And then he, I said this, and I sent it to him. And he came back and he went, well, it's a step down from Nails and Black Breath and stuff. And I was like, is it? I don't even, I mean, I genuinely don't even, I don't know. <laughs> I, is it? I don't know. I was like, it sounds exactly I, the same to I, me. I think a step down is a little bit harsh, but 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 actually, yes, broadly, I agree. I don't think it's quite as good as certainly Nails. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of ho-hum on Black Breath. Um, but uh, it's still very good, though. It's still very good. It's called Hatred's Reservoir. You've got a reservoir of hatred, haven't you? Yeah, it's running very dry this week, though, Renfrew, <laughs> unfortunately. There's been a drought in the uh, the reservoir of hatred. I've been pretty positive about everything this week. Unlike surprisingly. Some people, unlike <laughs> some people. Surprisingly positive about King, King 810. There's only one album that we've done this week that I'm going to go back to. So, well ACDC. done, ACDC. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we've done. We're done. Are we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Sorry. Um, well, no. Just again, like, yeah, it's difficult for me to really be objective about this type of stuff. And I, I did tell Jonathan that, but, uh, but he was like, no, it's really good, and you'll like it. I, I think. What did you give um, it? Hammer. I gave it an eight mm. because just sounding like this. I mean, that should tell you something, actually, because. I would, yeah, I'd give that, I'd give nails a nine. Yeah. Yeah. So there is that. So I'm capable of what, I, what I'm not capable of doing is going, this isn't very good. I'm probably capable of going, this is great, but this is slightly better. I think, yeah, I, I can see broadly why, I mean, particularly Napalm Death. I don't think they're really similar to Napalm Death anyway, because Napalm Death are their, their own thing. But certainly like a lot of those types of bands, um, are fairly similar, but then a couple just jump up a little bit. Yeah. So nails would be nails. Yes, Pig nails Destroyer. would be one. But again, I think even Pig Destroyer, they do so much other different stuff that they're not even really part of that because they're so yeah. yeah. Like Napalm Death and Pig Destroyer are not really, you know, um, even though they've done that thing before, they've done so much other things as well. Like this is quite straightforward. Yeah. You wouldn't put Converge in with this. You wouldn't put Pig Destroyer right. in with this. You wouldn't put Napalm Death in with this. Um, you would go Magruder Grind, mm. Nails, uh, yeah, all the other people that we've already yeah. mentioned, Helpless, um, Leached. I think Leech is, uh, again, Leached. I can listen to Leech and go, they do that and they're really fucking brilliant at doing that. But also there are a couple of other things that make it a bit more surprising. Yes, there's no real surprises on this, but it's just, it's, it's for fans of those things. And I think mm. if you are a fan of those things and you lap it up and you love it like I do, then you'll have a lovely time listening to this because yeah. it's very good. I agree. I agree. Good. All right, there you go. Hatred's Reservoir is the name of the album. The band are called Shackles and that is out now as well. So yeah, as Renfrey quite rudely pointed out, that we're done. Um, we'll see you next week. So next week we've got Killer Be Killed. 
a super group, as we've discussed, who actually live up to the the tag. Um, we're going to be reviewing their new album and some other things. I can't think what else there is off the top of my head. Doesn't matter. Dark um, Tranquility. That, dark Tranquility. <laughs> okay. Uh, that should be enough to, to bring you back. Um, thanks very much for listening. We appreciate that. Go over to signaturebrew.co.uk. Put the code RIOT in the checkout for 10% off all purchases, including purchases on that brand new beer, which if you've been listening to this podcast... They might have announced it by now, so go and have a little look. But Darkness Bell's End Beer. Cheeky, isn't it? But I'm looking forward to tasting that. What a happy day. What a lovely time to be alive. Yeah. See I, you I, later, everyone. Yeah. What? I was going to say, on. looking forward to tasting the Bell's End, but I thought it was too obvious. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See we you go? later, everyone. <laughs> Bye.